Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast for Monday, January 23rd, 2023. I'm Lou DeVizio. I hope everyone enjoyed their weekend ahead of what's been a super windy Monday so far in Albuquerque. So apologies if you hear some rattling around in the background. That's that's the wind. Now, looking back to last week, it was a big one here at NMPBS. We broadcasted the Governor's State of the State Address live Tuesday. We brought you the start of the 60-day legislative session in Santa Fe. And we had to, of course, sort through the fallout from the arrest and arraignment of a former candidate for state house now accused of orchestrating a series of shootings targeting lawmakers. I'll have an update on that case in less than a minute here on the podcast, but much of the show will be devoted to developments in the legislature. If you missed the state of the state address, it was the first time Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham delivered it inside the state house since the pandemic began. She laid out her priorities, including how she plans to spend the state's record-setting $3.6 billion budget surplus. Audio from that speech is coming up in about five minutes here on the podcast, and after that, reaction from lawmakers inside the Roundhouse. Political correspondent Gwyneth Dolan was at the Capitol last week to catch up with several key players to ask how they think that surplus would be best used. But for now, let's get to the headlines impacting New Mexicans. The man charged with orchestrating a series of shootings targeting New Mexico lawmakers will stay behind bars while awaiting trial. 39-year-old Solomon Pena faces more than a dozen charges, including shooting at a dwelling and possession of a firearm by a felon. In a press conference last week, Albuquerque police say Pena hired multiple people to carry out drive-by shootings targeting specific lawmakers. Pena ran for state house as a Republican in 2022 before losing to Miguel Garcia. He never conceded the race, despite losing by 48 points. He claimed the election was rigged. Police are now also investigating donations made to Pena's campaign, including a contribution by one of the men accused of conspiring with him in the series of shootings. Climate change could be the reason behind thousands of migratory birds suddenly dropping dead over New Mexico in 2020. Researchers from the Los Alamos National Laboratory are looking into the case. A scientist from Lanel says the birds experienced extreme weather events that contributed to the catastrophe, like extremely high temperatures in Colorado and New Mexico that were quickly followed by a cold front. During the same time, the catastrophic forest fires in the region produced lots of smoke that also may have played a role. That scientist tells KOB-TV that those stressors pushed the typically resilient birds to their limit and that it could happen again. A bill backed by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham would provide $100 million in state funds to help in the aftermath of the historic Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire. That's as state lawmakers wait for federal relief money to roll in. The bill in the state legislature right now would go towards zero interest loans to towns, villages, and counties to fix roads, damaged culverts, and wiped out acequias. Senator Pete Campos, a Las Vegas Democrat, is sponsoring the legislation and says the intent of the bill is to try and restore basic services that are necessary in those communities. We'll be tracking that bill and many others as the 60-day legislative session moves along in Santa Fe. Of course, session officially began Tuesday when the governor delivered her annual State of the State address, this time inside of House Chambers. We broadcasted this speech live on NMPBS Channel 5.1, and if you'd rather watch it, we have it up on our New Mexico in Focus YouTube channel. Otherwise, here's Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Good afternoon, everyone, Mr. Lieutenant Governor, Mr. Speaker, Madam Pro Tem, distinguished senators and representatives. 
Uh, it's an incredible privilege to be with you today. Uh, I also want to recognize, and I know she's been, I know people have been recognized, and that's terrific. The United States Secretary of Interior, Deb Holland, a proud. proud daughter of New Mexico and an outstanding steward of our nation's public lands and natural beauty, as well as Congresswoman Teresa Ledger Fernandez, <laughs> Congresswoman Melanie Stansberry, all of the sovereign leaders here today, I want to thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, and last but certainly not least, I want to thank my uh, adorable, I don't think he appreciates that, brother, Gregory Lujan and his guest, Cindy Griffith. Uh, and my darling husband, wherever he went off to, Manuel Cordova, the first man. Uh, you should all take a seat. You're welcome. Um, it is every single session, but this one, it's been a long time since I've been right here. And it's uh, such a pleasure to be alongside so many dedicated public officials, devoted community leaders, and quite frankly, so many good friends. And it is always my honor to address my fellow New Mexicans. Now, just over four years ago, I began my governorship with a simple idea that we have the power to decide who and what we become, that our past didn't have to dictate our future, that with hard work and big dreams and good faith, we could build our state together and reach for a New Mexico that would allow us to achieve our God-given potential, that we could have prosperous aspirations and turn them in to prosperous reality. And over the course of these last four years, that vision of New Mexico, a land of opportunity where anything, everything is possible, that has always been our North Star. Setting out to make that vision real has meant addressing injustices and inequities in our economy, in our education system, in public safety and public health, in the sustainability of the environment, and in the opportunities in our future. Now, we did this by stepping beyond old fights and rising above predictable conflicts that have defined our state, many states, for decades and by looking for new and creative ways to achieve our shared goals. We engaged with each other, not as adversaries, but as allies, and recognized the common spirit that burns brightly within all of us. Now, over the last four years, we have made once unimaginable strides. And today, New Mexico is on stronger footing than ever. We can it feels good to everyone, let's take a moment. I want to just remind us where we are. In New Mexico today, we have a more robust economy than we have seen in decades. In four years, we've made government-offered health care more affordable and education more accessible than in any other state in the nation. We're building a smarter and more effective public safety approach that reverses prior administration's years of neglect and underfunding. And our focus on clean energy, sustainability, and protecting our environment is a model now for the entire 
nation. That is the miracle of New Mexico. That is the magic of New Mexico, manifested and made real not only by the people in this room, but by tens of thousands of New Mexicans across the land of enchantment who stood up and spoke out, who lifted their sights and stiffened their spines, who believed in something better and set out to make it real. The state of our state today is an extraordinary accomplishment by New Mexicans for New Mexicans. And every single one of us should be proud of all of the work that we have done and the impact of every single one of our efforts. And we can do a little more of this each day. I want to recognize the men and women and the families in this room, and I want to thank you, each and every one of you, from legislators and staff to the sovereign nations to community leaders to residents who have made all of these successes possible. Our achievements belong to all of us. Today, in fact, is a great day to be a New Mexican. But the truth is, the state of our state isn't just about today. It's about tomorrow, and it's about what we're creating for the future, for the next legislative session, the next year, the next decade, and for generations of New Mexicans who will live in the world that we construct. And I'm telling you right now, and I don't think that you'll disagree, we have more to do, right? We have more to do. We have more to do in order to stand up for our kids and our parents, our friends and our neighbors, by developing the tools and the resources that can help them to continue to move forward. We have more to do in order to protect our land and our institutions and to make New Mexico the best place in the world to live, to grow, to raise a family, or build a business. We have more to do in order to deliver for New Mexicans who want nothing more than to realize their own vision of a better, brighter state, a state where there is no limit to what they can achieve. That's why I'm laying out priorities that will double down on the progress we have made, that will provide more help to our communities, and that will unleash the spirit of opportunity and innovation that is our straight state's greatest asset. So let's begin with the economic well-being of the state. Over the last four years, we have transformed our economy. We have unleashed the potential of our entrepreneurs and our job creators and enhanced the power of the working people who drive them forward. We created 30,000 new jobs in the last year alone. I mean, I'm very proud of that work, and you have a whole lot to do with that accomplishment by making the investments that make a difference. Unemployment is at a 14-year low. We saw a record $7 billion in annual visitor spending, and we've enacted $400 million in permanent tax cuts for New Mexicans. Our message is clear. New Mexico is moving forward. Now, we are investing further in a dynamic, growing economy. In my budget priorities, I'm asking for $1 billion in economic relief, including rebates of $750 to each individual taxpayer or $1,500 to couples filing jointly to help more New Mexicans afford the things they need right now. Right now. 
I'm proposing a tax reform package intended to support New Mexico's working families, again, and gross receipts tax rates, again, to help consumers save money, helping businesses, and implementing, in addition, common sense anti-pyramiding measures to make goods and services more affordable and delivering personal income tax cuts for middle-class New Mexicans by making our system more progressive so that every taxpayer gets a fair shot and a fair shake. Everybody should be asked to pay their share, but nobody should face a burden that they cannot afford or limits their investments and potential. That same principle applies at a time when New Mexicans across the state are working hard to rent or purchase homes that are too often out of reach. Whether we're talking about the over 2,000 New Mexicans who are currently homeless, or the many more who are at risk of being homeless, or renters who are struggling to keep their heads above water, or individuals who have spent years saving to become homeowners and see rising home costs outstripping their dreams. My administration is taking action. I'm asking, requesting, for over $100 million for new housing programs. <laughs> Including mobile homelessness response teams that serve unhoused residents, eviction protection that keep families in place, down payment assistance that helps people start a new chapter and begin to build equity, and investments in the Mortgage Finance Authority, which are matched exponentially by federal funding. We need thousands more homes, so let's build them. Yeah. Let's do that right now. these programs are real and, pardon the pun, concrete. Investments like these support people like Cheryl Anderson from Gallup. Growing up, Cheryl's family was always moving, and her mother dreamed of having a forever home. Shortly after Cheryl turned 18, her mom passed away, but not before she made Cheryl promise that she would one day purchase a home of her own. And today, with the help of New Mexico's Down Payment Assistance Program, Cheryl has made that dream a reality and kept her promise to her mom. Now Cheryl and her own young children have a place to call their forever home. Let's make that available for everyone. critically important, but so too is the infrastructure that brings jobs and opportunity to people of our state. That's why I'm also calling for $128 million in water infrastructure improvements, $146 million in statewide broadband expansion, and updates to the New Mexico Film Tax Credit so we can attract even more businesses to communities in every single corner of our state and redouble our investments in critical, critical workforce development and job training programs. Look, I believe, and I know you do too, that New Mexicans are the best workers in the country. And yeah, And we are creating the conditions that bring them lifelong careers. Now, in order to fill those new jobs, we have to help our students develop the in-demand skills that they need. And that, 
Thank you. All right. An entrepreneur right there in, in demand, those skills. And that means providing a good education at every age. Now, that has been my priority since the first day of my administration, which is why over the last four years, we have supercharged our education system, designing and delivering cradle-to-career support that gives New Mexicans the tools they need to thrive. Our investments in childcare and early education are bringing quality pre-K to three and four-year-olds across the state. And our commitment to making education accessible and affordable is lifting families out of poverty for the first time in decades and putting them on a path to success. And frankly, years of being chronically undervalued, and a tough word, but I choose it purposely, criminally underpaid, public school teachers in New Mexico now earn the highest salaries in the Southwest. Opportunity Scholarship is providing free higher education for New Mexicans of every age, every background, and every walk of life, so that every person in our state has a chance to achieve their full potential. Since we created tuition-free college, New Mexico college enrollment has increased for the first time in over a decade, and the number of first-time, full-time students has grown by nearly 10%. I'm going to take this to the bank. It's the second highest college enrollment gain of any state in the country. And in some cases, grandparents, parents, and their kids are all going to college at the same time, generating, it's amazing, new possibilities and a new sense of promise for what we can achieve together. Our cradle-to-career approach has been life-changing. Will Schwetman is a veteran of the United States Marines who served in Operation Enduring Freedom and the father of a beautiful two-year-old daughter, Charlie, who will be turning three in just a couple of weeks. He and his wife needed access to high-quality childcare during the hours when they were both at work, and they were accepted into a daycare center nearby. But the tuition was almost as high as their mortgage. And Will was worried that the cost would be impossible to afford. With the help of our child care assistance programs, expanded income eligibility, and waived parent co-pays, Will was able to get most of the cost taken care of. And a few months later, Charlie was accepted into a new state-run daycare right here in Santa Fe that has a top-notch staff and followed his work schedule. Through our programs, Will has been able to stop living paycheck to paycheck. Now he's saving for Charlie's future and to give his daughter the best possible environment to help her learn and grow. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
I am proud of what we've accomplished over the last four years. But today, I'm announcing that I believe, challenge you, that we should be doing even more, starting from the beginning, so to speak, with universal childcare. As our highly successful, and a shout out, uh, now nationally and internationally recognized early childhood education uh, department and trust fund, and as that grows, and with our new nation-leading constitutional right to early childhood education, provide childcare and early education for each and every one of our families by investing more than half a billion dollars in targeted funding. We're also going to extend learning time in our K through 12 classrooms and provide the resources our teachers and administrators require to do that work. Right now, too many kids are forced to learn. In addition, on an empty stomach, which is why I'm calling for healthy and universal, that means free, meals for every student in the state of New Mexico. investment in school kitchens so they can offer the fresh and nutritious foods our kids need to thrive. Now we're going to call this program Kids Kitchens and wherever kids are there ought to be a kitchen working to keep them healthy, strong and ready to learn. And with this program New Mexico is literally providing food for thought. Uh, yeah. I'm also proposing that we revamp special education with extended learning time, data-driven services, and extra support for special education teachers because every student deserves a world-class education. Every student. to show our appreciation for the amazing people who work in our schools. I'm also proposing that New Mexico cover all health care premiums for school personnel. Yeah. And that we give them an additional 4% raise. You know what? We ought to be the highest paid educators in the United States of America. school staff should be able to focus on our kids learning without worrying about their salaries being drained by health care costs or quite frankly anything else. These stability investments are generationally changing the way in which New Mexicans will thrive and succeed and I have no doubt that we can achieve that as the first state in the country to achieve those smart public education cradle-to-career investments. So let's do it. 
while I already said it, look, these, these make our education system smarter. They make it more effective. They make it more comprehensive. It's fairer. And it supports every student every day in every classroom across the state. That vision not only is achievable, but we have an obligation to make it so for the families and the folks dedicating their lives to public education. So let's get that done, I hope, this legislative session. Now, as many of you know, uh, my dad was a dentist. Uh, he was one, and I think actually he might have been the very first uh, kind of so-called at the time uh, public health dentists, and he brought then oral health care and public health services to many parts of New Mexico that had no health care services of any kind at all. And growing up, my brother and I saw firsthand how many communities across the state really struggled to access the care that they needed. And that's why we've spent the last four years, this administration, investing in rural and underserved communities. Now we, thank you, you guys did great work. We created a healthcare affordability fund that saves New Mexicans money, means they have access and coverage. I wanna also point out that it made our premiums on exchange the lowest in the country. These programs work. We increased Medicaid reimbursement rates, we capped monthly insulin co-payments, and we are rebuilding our behavioral health system after nearly a decade of neglect and unlimited co-pays for many behavioral health services. So here's what I propose to build on that progress. I want us to look again and invest $200 million to establish a rural healthcare delivery fund. partners, particularly in the eastern and southern part of the state, that are really working to create regional health care authorities that do largely behavioral health, this is a game changer for these local investments. From places from Carlsbad and Clovis to Deming and Silver City, these are game changers. I say we mandate transparency in drug pricing. I say we expand Medicaid-assisted treatment so that we're taking and tackling the really difficult to serve chronically homeless, chronically substance abuse populations who have far too often been locked out of the kinds of life-changing services and community safety services that are frankly critical to each and every one of us in the room. I say we open additional school-based health centers and serve 25,000 more students in those centers. And I'm going to ask you to make good on our commitment to invest $10 million in full-service reproductive health care, a center right in southern New Mexico.
And while we're at it, let's codify abortion rights and state statute to make it the law of the land. and we make it clear to practitioners, to women and families, that in every corner of this state, your body autonomy and your healthcare choices are in fact your own. Yeah. And we, this is the big one, and I say we create a brand new department, the New Mexico Healthcare Authority an innovative initiative that puts all of our healthcare services under one roof and brings us a step closer to universal healthcare in New Mexico. Now, right now, New Mexico is the only state where more than half the population is on Medicaid, including 80% of New Mexico's children. Now, expanding Medicaid coverage offers us a chance to revolutionize care and, frankly, become a universal health care state. And that's exactly what this administration intends to do, building a healthier, longer living, more prosperous New Mexico, where we can live for our dreams and decrease the fear and hardship of untreated chronic conditions in the process, right? And I wanna make clear that achieving that distinction isn't only really and it's a very exciting opportunity, but frankly, for each and every one of us, it should be a moral obligation. If we believe in equality, like we say we do, and if we believe in justice, like we say we do, we ought to make sure that every New Mexican of every background and circumstance can access high quality care. And we ought to be using every tool at our disposal, frankly, including the billions of dollars that come from the federal government to provide better benefits and care for every single New Mexicans. So I propose that we declare right now, today, that this is where we are headed and that we can and we will, quite frankly, get there together. And these bold, transformative, life-changing investments and efforts are frankly for naught. If New Mexicans are not safe in their homes and communities, and their businesses. You and your family can't thrive when you're worried about the safety of your child in school, your spouse at work, your own safety as you fill up at the gas station. It's not lost on anyone in this room that to get into this room, you have to go through a metal detector. There are elected officials in this room today whose homes and families were shot at in despicable acts of political violence. And I want to personally thank the law enforcement community, including Albuquerque Police Chief Harold Medina, Bernalillo County Sheriff John Allen, and the state police who are here today for working quickly and tirelessly 
to apprehend every single suspect in these heinous attacks. of the strides we have made in partnership with law enforcement over the last 40 years. And we have supported law enforcement from day one to get 1,000 additional officers into New Mexico communities and make our state a safer place to live. And while those efforts are bearing fruit, and in fact I am proud to say that the New Mexico Law Enforcement Academy trained more than 400 officers last year. It's the most in recent memory. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to wait. We are preparing to train the largest class of cadets in New Mexico history, a 44% increase over the previous class. These investments are working. That is what it looks like when we provide law enforcement with the tools they need to get the job done. were important and they were necessary steps. But I believe everyone here is clear that we have so much more to do because quite literally lives and livelihoods are at stake in the state of New Mexico. And I believe that we should redouble our efforts and we should fight tooth and nail to keep our community safe and secure. And to the lawmakers in this room, this is a tough thing to ask for because frankly, we all expect that we just get it done. This is me on behalf of the people of New Mexico challenging the brightest elected individuals and staff in the country and to challenge you to do much, much more to ease the burden of crime being placed on far too many of us every single day in every single corner of our state. And we should not relent from our commitment to establish, in my view, a rebuttable presumption to make sure that high-risk violent offenders stay behind bars before trial. I do. and I think New Mexicans want the tools to tackle organized crime and the criminals who fund it through retail and commercial theft. They want to smash the syndicates that are terrorizing our businesses and our business communities at large. And we should all be about that. And we will continue to expand our police force to make sure our law enforcement has the personnel, training, and tools to serve our neighborhoods effectively. And I'm gonna call for an additional $100 million investment in the Law Enforcement Recruitment Fund to continue supporting the hiring and training so we get to that 1,000 plus law enforcement officers all across this beautiful state. Now I believe that this fight also requires that we step up what we're doing to address the sickening scourge of gun violence. 
that has infected our nation. Over a thousand guns are stolen every year in Albuquerque alone. We all know that we cannot keep our people safe, we can't keep our police officers and their families safe, if weapons of war continue to flood our neighborhoods. That is why I am calling for a ban on assault weapons. I'm calling for an end to the state loophole on straw purchases of guns. Because people with a history of violence should not be able to exploit the system to get a firearm. They should not. I'm calling for safe storage reforms that impose penalties on anyone who fails to secure an unintended firearm and leaves it accessible to an unsupervised minor, which has happened right here in this state. And it should never happen again. And I'm calling for legislation that would allow victims of gun violence to bring civil suits against firearm manufacturers. If we are bold and clear in our knowledge that now is the time to do the right thing, we can save lives and protect futures. Now, I'm determined to succeed. Uh, and I know that uh, you know this. I, I'm pretty relentless. Um, I'm not going to let up. And I know there will be other ideas and other strategies. And I know that we're going to work together. And we're going to debate. And I hope those debates are effective, concrete, unabashed, good dialogues not angry, but about what really does this. There isn't a single person in this room who should let up for one minute in these debates and efforts until New Mexico is the safest state in the nation. End of story. efforts keep everyone safe, including the first responders who time and time again put their lives on the line every single day to protect and serve. And frankly, we've seen too many lost lives, not just to gun violence, to other issues and accidents, and far too many fallen heroes in New Mexico. And I'd like today to recognize Anita Beers, who is with us today. I don't know where you are. There. Hey, Anita. Everyone, I'd like you to meet Anita Beers. husband, Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department, Lieutenant Fred Beers, someone I never met, but who I wish I had met after knowing his family just for, frankly, a few minutes, um, lost his life in the helicopter accident alongside three others, 
Under Sheriff Larry Corrin, Deputy Michael Levinson, and Bernalillo County Fire Department, Lieutenant Matthew King, while assisting with the firefighting efforts in San Miguel County. Now there aren't words, there just aren't, that I can offer that really do ease that loss or any of that pain for any of those families and so many beyond. But I believe New Mexico, and I do, and everyone in this room wants you to know that you and our, your husband and your son are in our hearts and in our prayers. And I am proud to say that, as I promised, our budget includes $500,000 for the Lieutenant Fred Beers Honor Guard Memorial Fund to help New Mexico departments purchase clothing, flags, and other Honor Guard supplies so that our fallen heroes can be buried with dignity and respect. recognize that police officers are not the only sacred public safety officials who are asked to risk their lives for others. We know there are men and women in the military. We also know that there are first responders and firefighters, which is why we'll be establishing parity in New Mexico in survivor benefits for first responders, including by creating a state fund for the families of firefighters killed in the line of duty. to heroes like Fred, who put themselves in harm's way, and to the loved ones who can only hope for their safe return. And I want to say to all our first responders and their families, we are profoundly grateful for your service, and we will always stand by your side. Always. The danger to our first responders and the communities they serve was brought into sharp focus um, by everyone here and for everyone here by the wildfires that raged in our state. And these devastating fires impacted, frankly, far more than the 30,000 people who had such significant losses, home, livestock, property, futures, lives, in particularly, but not just San Miguel and Mota counties, but thousands of others indirectly and in destroying those lives and livelihoods, homes and livestock, which I said, security and stability, our responders' bravery was only matched, frankly, by the incredible heroism and resiliency of the men and women in those communities and the men and women in New Mexico who stood up to support those residents. Now, New Mexico is already led by making sure this horrific event does not occur in other states. And my administration is committed to using our full strength to make New Mexicans whole. We'll be delivering 100 million for communities affected by the Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire. that we 
make sure that that fund is available so that we can begin rebuilding their homes, their lives, their infrastructure without waiting for the federal government's investments to be distributed, all right? So we've got our really strong federal delegation uh, getting $2.5 billion, which I think I mentioned in a minute again, so you might have to hear it again, I apologize, is an amazing feat because it's really clear about the liability and about the strength of the men and women who stand up for their constituents every day. And as I fight with you at my side, and we do not rest until the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, does right by New Mexico, we're not gonna stop as a program in place to give the $2.5 million in the effective, immediate, direct relief that Congress approved and that our residents and families deserve. So let's make sure we're taking care of them now. And if FEMA wants to fight by the governor and the legislature of the state of New Mexico, bring it. Now we know the fires were intensified by extreme weather brought on by climate change, and since the beginning of my administration, we have taken that threat seriously, embracing science in order to mitigate climate change's devastating impact, protect our environment, ramp up clean energy production. Through our 30 by 30 initiative, we are guarding New Mexico's natural resources, increase, increasing access for outdoor recreation, and building climate change resilience. We have more than doubled our wind energy capacity and authorized community solar projects, creating exciting clean energy opportunities and jobs that are powering our state. In the days to come, I propose that we redouble our commitment by launching a $75 million Land of Enchantment Legacy Fund to create sustained funding for state programs that protect our environment, combat issues like drought and water scarcity, address the roots of climate change. will bolster initiatives like the River Stewardship Program, which safeguards our waterways so New Mexicans can continue to hunt, fish, and access clean water, offering economic benefits for this generation and those to follow while strengthening, strengthening our fragile ecosystems. It will support work like the Healthy Soils Program, which promotes resilient farming, ranching, and other agricultural management so that the fruits of our land can continue to feed our people. It will provide resources to endeavors like the Outdoor Equity Fund, which allows young people from every background and every community to take advantage of the great outdoors. And already, and thank you to the New Mexico State Legislature and the leadership of many of you right here, that fund has already supported 130 organizations that are introducing 37 thousand young people to transformational recreational experiences and has become, like so many other things that we have done in the state, a model for other states and now the entire 
nation. Every New Mexican should be able to enjoy and benefit from the unmatched natural resources our state has to offer, not just now, but always. We will also take another step in our sustainability efforts by codifying our zero emissions goal in state statute. There should be no question that New Mexico is committed to a cleaner, healthier future and in the coming months and years, we intend to design and implement a range of projects and initiatives to achieve just that, that critical objective. And we're gonna take on this challenge in the same way we have approached all others, with creativity, with tenacity, and with bold and innovative spirit that has always driven New Mexico forward. In all these areas, in all these ways, New Mexico is on the move. In our economy and our education, New Mexico is on the move. In our public health and public safety, New Mexico is on the move. In our approach to energy and the environment, New Mexico is on the move. Not rushing to catch up, but ready to continue to lead the way. towards a horizon of limitless opportunity, of extraordinary prospects, of indescribable beauty, and unrivaled prosperity. Of course, I have no illusions that our path will be straight or simple. There will be challenges to face and obstacles to overcome. But I also have no doubt that if we meet this moment, we seize this momentum, that we can continue to create the New Mexico we know and we have always believed in. We have proven in so many aspects that it is possible and staying the course is the right work for every single New Mexican, New Mexico family. We can keep building an economy and an education system that works for everyone. We can design a community of care that protects our health and well-being. We can deliver a place of safety and security, of natural beauty and abundance, a legacy of possibility for all New Mexicans. Ultimately, that's what this work is about. That's who this work is for. It's for the mom in Albuquerque who knows her child can succeed if they can get a little extra attention, a little extra time. It's for the small business owner in Artesia who sees great things ahead if they can get a little support, a little momentum to push them forward. It's for young people like my grandkids and yours who will look out at our horizons and picture their own exciting future right here in New Mexico. It's for the new arrivals who envision the land of enchantment as a land of boundless possibility, a place to build a life for themselves and their families. It's for New Mexicans who carry this land deep in their bones, who were driven by its history and animated by its potential and filled with love and admiration for what it can and should be. Like all of us, these New Mexicans aren't just thinking about today. They're thinking about tomorrow. And to all of them and to you, I want to say this. Tomorrow when the sun rises over the land of enchantment, it will rise over a place where each new day is an opportunity for progress, 
for greatness, for big dreams to be made real. A place of wide open spaces where the situation you come from doesn't dictate how far you can go. Where your dignity is inherent and your destiny is not preordained. A place where anything is possible so long as we are willing to dream it and design it and work for it. And by God, deliver it. Tomorrow, the sun will rise over this land of enchantment. And from Silver City to Santa Rosa, from Las Cruces to Santa Fe, all of us across the state will rise to meet it together, ready to take the next steps in the journey that we have begun. Thank you, and God bless New Mexico. Once the governor delivers her annual address, it's time for members of both parties and chambers inside the roundhouse to get to work. The first few days and weeks of session can often be a feeling out process, seeing where everyone stands on major issues. One of the biggest factors at play this year at the Capitol is that $3.6 billion surplus. Last week, New Mexico in Focus political correspondent Gwyneth Doland went to find out exactly what leading members from both parties have on their agendas. In this next segment, you'll hear conversations between Gwyneth and several lawmakers. First up is Republican State Senator Crystal Diamond from Doña Ana County. Then it's Democratic State Senator Roberto Gonzalez from Los Alamos and Taos. And Gwyneth wraps up the segment talking to the new minority whip for the State House, Republican Jason Harper. Here's Gwyneth. Senator Diamond, Democrats have outlined their priorities so far. Uh, a record surplus of money they want to pour into education, healthcare, tax rebates, a number of other things. Are there areas of common ground for you and the Democrats' proposals? Well, first of all, we need to begin by thanking the oil and gas industry for this three point, estimated $3.6 billion in new money that's coming to New Mexico. That industry is so important. I don't come from an oil and gas community, really an agricultural rich area, but it's very clear that, that New Mexico oil and gas is the industry that is fueling New Mexico forward, including the rural and remote areas where I come from. So here we are going into a legislative session. I sit on Senate Finance, and so before us will come countless requests over how we spend this money. And it's important that we spend it wisely. And I make the point about oil and gas is because we know that it's a volatile industry. And the reality is, is that New Mexico is dependent on that industry for about roughly 40% of our budget now. And so if we are not careful, what happens is when, it's not an if, it's when that industry and that money declines, we will be forced to make drastic, painful cuts in New Mexico if we're not careful on how we invest that money and spend that money today. And so there's a difference between investing in one-time money infrastructure, roads, one-time monies that New Mexico has for so long needed, especially our rural communities, and then getting ourselves into recurring payments. That's growing government to such a level is that when our revenues crash, and it will eventually, it will fall from what we're seeing today, is, is it's very difficult to put people out of jobs. The pain will be felt at, at for families, hardworking families, and that really has a great drastic impact on New Mexicans. And so we need to be conservative in how we balance and how we save for the inevitable fall from this windfall. So what are your top priorities this session? Look, I think that it's important as we go in that we make sure that our communities are safe. Uh, we need to invest in law enforcement. We need to make sure that, that we are creating safe homes and safe neighborhoods to raise, to raise our, our children and our families in. I, I also think that it's important that when we go and we, we allocate these funds, it's into, again, those one-time projects. 
and I can speak on behalf of rural New Mexico, we have been long over, uh, ignored for, for a long time. We have critical water infrastructure needs that we see in our acequias, our ditches, um, our, our, our dams that really could use the investment with this windfall of money. We have road needs. We have, we have so many roads out there in rural New Mexico that in many times are inaccessible. Let's, let's um, invest in that. Bridges. I think anyone listening here would probably be able to quickly identify some great infrastructure needs. Now's the time to invest in that one-time money. I also represent an area of New Mexico along the U.S.-Mexico border. And there is critical infrastructure that has long been ignored there as well. Putting partisan politics aside, I think we could all agree on that critical communication infrastructure down there, we have miles and miles along that border in which there's no cell phone service. And that puts not just law enforcement, not just migrants who are tra traveling, but even our, our communities and those living along the border in a dangerous situation. Let's invest now in the infrastructure to allow them to at least have communication access, radio access along that southern New Mexico border because we've never made investments there. You know, we talked to Senator Crystal Diamond earlier, and she was saying that she wants to see more money spent on uh, infrastructure and one-time spending as opposed to recurring spending that will lock us into a higher dollar amount even when oil and gas goes down. What do you think you guys might accomplish in terms of infrastructure? Well, uh, that's a very good point because uh, since uh, 2019 to today, current, you know, we have added approximately from 30 to 33 percent recurring. Uh, that's a big number. You know, if things were to go down, you know, uh, the state probably can absorb that maybe one or two years. That's not strong enough. Then it becomes very painful if you have to go back and make cuts. So uh, going into adding to the recurring is very, has to be very carefully thought. Now, as far as infrastructure, one-time funding, uh, that is excellent. Anytime that you can put a project together and complete it. And we have a lot of asks and demands from water sanitation districts, from mutual domestic waters. And those are not the big, huge appropriations that you know we see some requests. But at the same time, they do um, provide the services for people, you know, especially the having a safe and quality water, and then also with the infrastructure for water sanitation districts is very important. We still have communities that don't have water, and I think those definitely need to be given a high priority statewide. There have been a lot of shakeups. There's new people here. There's new people in leadership, new uh, committees. How do you feel about working across the aisle this session? I have always been there in my part. You know, I have always made a, a very strong commitment to work on, on both sides because that's what we're here for. And uh, it doesn't help us not to work together. But the important part is to go to the finish line and come up with projects and with um, legislation or policies that help all of us, you know, not just one side, but I feel real strong about working together. Um, do you, it's, we're in the first week here now, but do you have a prediction at the end of the session, what do you want to be able to say when you go back to Taos and talk about what you accomplished? What do you want to say? We have to make a difference. We, there's no 
you know, as I look at early childhood education now, there is no reason why we can't be number one in the nation because it is adequately and it's very highly funded. You know, now it's our universities need to roll up their sleeves and everyone to put together programs that do accomplish the implementation for success. Representative Harper, we have record high revenue surpluses and this you know, means we have a lot of big difficult questions and decisions uh, to be made. What are the opportunities you see that we should take advantage of this year? Yeah, great question and we've never seen, and this is like once in a generation opportunity here, and, and I see some things that we can do to really put New Mexico on better footing, right? I mean, we've done a lot to help with teachers. Um, we've done a lot to help the, the government. But we can do some things that really help New Mexicans, right? And one of the things that I think is just so important that we finally do, I've been preaching it for seven, eight years, is we finally need to really take our gross receipts tax reform across the finish line. And, and we have the opportunity to do it right now and I've been told during the bad times, oh, that's a, uh, you know, we can't do it. You know, what if, what if we blow up the budget? Um, I've also been told during the good times, well, there's a lot of stuff we need to do that, uh, you know, a lot of needs out there. I, I think this really is the moment. And if, and if not now, when are we going to do it? Are we really serious about tax reform or are we just talking the talk? Uh, we have a lot of opportunities. But what are the pitfalls? You know, when we have money, uh, people want to run around like drunken sailors, am I right? No, that's right. I mean, it's, it's often harder in a session where there's lots of money than no money because everyone has great ideas, right? And, and you can start all these pilot projects and, and then when the bad times come, um, gosh, it is just so hard. I've, I've only been in the legislature for 10 years and we've already seen two boom and bust cycles. And during the last bust cycle, we swept money from public schools, their public school cash balances. And, and we were, I mean, I was opposed to that, many of us were, but that's what the state did to try to, to prop up its funding. So we wanna make sure that we are not putting our state in a situation where we have to take money from kids because we overspent during this time of plenty. What are your must do's? Like you've gotta do these things before you leave this building in March. Yeah, so, so again, the big one is, is tax reform. We have to do that. We have to fix our gross receipts tax pyramiding. We have to lower the gross receipts tax rate. We have to look at some adjustments to income tax. These things will benefit all New Mexico families and all New Mexico businesses. I really don't like the policy of picking winners and losers when we give out a handout here or a tax credit here. We want to help everybody. That's a big one. The second one is you know, we have a lot of this one-time money um, infrastructure, I mean, you've, you've probably heard this before, but it's so important when, when, when you're looking to expand a business or build a home, you know, having good water and roads, um, that is just so important. And I know in my neck of the woods, we've got a lot of, lot of cracks in the roads. Now, are you finding some uh, places, points of connection between you and the governor on these things? Yes, um, thankfully, um, you know, we've been working really in a bipartisan way, both with the uh, Democrats in the House and the Senate and the governor's office. I mean, I was really here, uh, pleased to hear her say in her State of the State address that we need to finally address the pyramiding and the gross receipts tax. So, so I think this is a bipartisan thing that we, we finally all understand the issue and the solution, and, and I, I'm, I think we can get it done this year.
Thank you to Senators Diamond and Gonzalez, along with Representative Harper, for giving us their time last week. Gwyneth will be up at the Roundhouse each week during session, gathering reaction and perspective on key issues making their way through the Capitol. So stay with New Mexico in focus throughout the next two months for coverage that you won't find anywhere else during session. We'll be keeping up on our social media pages too. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, don't miss New Mexico in Focus Friday nights at 7 o'clock on NMPBS. Thanks again, everyone. I'm senior producer Lou DeVizio. For Monday, January 23rd, 2023, this is New Mexico in Focus, the podcast. Have a great week, everyone.